The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. If you're raising a vegan child or children, give some thought to what this means. With a modicum of homework on your part, your kids will be fine, nutritionally and socially. But they will be living in a manner that is, even now, outside the norm. In some ways, this is a boon to their development. They'll learn to stand up for themselves, ask for what they need, and develop the courage to put the welfare of another ahead of fitting in. But... These are traits we expect from adults. A child who's expected to develop them early in life deserves rock-solid support. We can't know what the future holds, but that makes it no less important that we do all we can to build a solid substructure of home, family, and dependability for our children. All growing humans deserve this, of course, but if a child who's always been vegan ends up in a step-family situation, let's say, or living with other relatives where he's expected to eat the animals he's been taught to love, that can be so confusing. These kids are already little reformers, carrying a burden of truth hidden by fable and advertising from most of their peers. The least we can do as vegan parents and grandparents is everything, and then maybe a little bit more. That's from the chapter, Bring the Kids Along, from my book, Main Street Vegan, written with the able assistance of my daughter, Adair Moran, who's all grown up and works as an aerial performer and stunt woman. Somehow, she got enough protein. Huh. 
I'm Victoria Moran, host of the Main Street Vegan Show, and this is our Back to School episode. After the break, we'll be chatting with Janet Carney of Vegan Pregnancy and Parenting. And right now, we'll be talking about what happened every Saturday in my childhood, ballet class with Cynthia King, a professional dancer since 1978. Cynthia is the founder and artistic director of Cynthia King Dance Studio in Brooklyn, New York. She is also the only U.S.-based producer of ready-to-wear, cruelty-free ballet slippers, Cynthia King Ballet Slippers, which can be seen on the feet of compassionate dancers worldwide. In addition, Cynthia has lobbied, organized, and served as an advisor and board member for numerous animal advocacy organizations. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you for having me, Victoria. It's Happy so wonderful. <laughs> you know, Cynthia, I saw you most recently at the Animal Rights Convention in Washington, D.C. a couple of months ago. And if I had never heard of you and didn't know who you were, I would know from first glance that you were a dancer, What's the dancer thing? <laughs> well, you know, dancers uh, usually train for many, many years, so our bodies and uh, posture is sometimes revealing that kind of training. And I, I think just, you know, dancers usually have great posture, and, you know, that's just a, a, a simple uh, difference in, you know, in looking at the way that we stand and walk. And, uh, you know, it's great. It, it's great to have that training from an early age or from any age to learn how to stand straight, and it really does benefit you throughout your life. So I think that's what it is, and also hair tied back, you know, <laughs> the usual the usual uniform, the black clothes, scoop neck. <laughs> Those are all giveaways. <laughs> well, you, you carry it beautifully. So what's your dancer story? I think a lot of us took dance, but very few of us became dancers. Well, I trained, you know, from an early age, and I um, I became a modern dancer. I danced with Rod Rogers Dance Company. I studied it at Ailey and Clark Center and many of the, the modern dance schools in New York and, and ballet schools as well. I went to the Boston Conservatory, and uh, I became, you know, a concert dancer where, you know, we traveled and danced in, in dance companies, and um, eventually... I transitioned into being a teacher at about, you know, in my 30s, and I really have enjoyed uh, the teaching half of my career even more, and I just love teaching kids and adults, and, you know, I get to still be dancing uh, after all these years, and, you know, there's nothing better than that for me. I, mm-hmm. I, just, I can't even believe it. I have to pinch myself that, I, that I'm still doing the same thing I was doing when I was eight, you know. Wow. <laughs> and... Where did the veganism come in? Well, when I was a child, I became uh, aware of uh, that meat was made from animals, and I, um, I, you know, I stopped eating meat as a young child, around ten or eleven. Don't print, don't print. And I, um, you know, I transitioned as I learned more and more about the the other parts of the industry, including dairy and eggs, and. You know, my and wearing leather and and other things that come from animals or abuse animals or use them as a commodity. You know, and my whole family is also um, vegan, which is just amazing and wonderful. So I'm very lucky in that way that we I don't have to endure those holiday that holiday torture. I know so many people do. Um, 
So, yeah, it grew, and I, I believe that the, it initiated, and it's hard for me to remember because it was in the 60s, <laughs> that uh, I think it was from seeing a graphic image, and that's what made me realize what was really happening. And, you know, I think about that when people uh, say they don't want to see a graphic image of, of what happens to animals or a video. And it's, it can have a very huge lasting effect and change people's lives. So, you know, there's all different things that do reach people, but I believe that's what it was that got me. <clears throat> as a kid, and you know. That's so cool. So now you provide dance shoes for other kids who care about animals or whose parents uh, cared about animals first and are raising their children that way. So I guess when you were a kid, these weren't around. No, they weren't. And just a, a point is I provide these shoes for all all the dancers in my studio. It's the required shoe at my school and at a few other schools across the world. One is in uh, Swan Ballet School in Switzerland. There's a school in Japan. Um, as a vegan, I, want, I, I don't want to promote animal suffering for anybody at any time. So they are for vegans who, you know, seek me out online and I send them all around the world. And people do come to the studio, but they're also for everyone here. So <clears throat> it's a great way to introduce the idea um, that you should think about what your stuff is made of and who is involved, <laughs> you know, whose welfare is compromised in the making of your, <clears throat> excuse me, in the making of your shoes. So, um, yeah, just, just that they're, they're not just for vegans. They're, they're for oh. everyone at my school. And so they open up a lot of conversations that way. That's it's amazing that they exist. That that uh, you thought of this and that that you're providing this wonderful service. Now I know just before the show we were talking about another kind of cruelty that happens in the great beauty of the dance world, and that's feathers. Tell us about those. Well, you know, there's uh, there are uh, costumes that are made with feathers. I was just at a. Um, a, a convention this last week and in the showroom was, were, were so many costumes and some of the ones, especially the ones on these li for little young children were trimmed with all these feathers and you know feathers don't fall off of birds <laughs> to get onto these costumes. It is its own absolutely torturous uh, industry where animals are live plucked, birds are live plucked for their feathers and you know it's the most unnecessary and, you know, ridiculous form of, <laughs> of, of animal beauty. You know, you really do not need feathers on your costume is what I'm saying. You know, it's, it, it's um, and I don't think that people realize that. I mean, they just don't think of where those feathers come from. So I did, uh, as part of my um, seminar last weekend, explain to people where they come from. And, you know, animals are held in, to uh, in a horrifying, torturous way. And their feathers are ripped from their bodies to get these, you know, adornment for your child's costume. And they, um, you know, I learned about ostriches when I was doing this research. And ostriches are some of the most loving, you know, they, they have family groups. They care for each other. They're beautiful, sentient birds. And I heard a story that moved me to tears, which is that ostriches take turns fanning each other in the heat and that image just you know it just was devastating to think that anyone could be cruel to such to such family birds and such beautiful birds you know and their skin is used for 
luxury handbags and high-end items. They, you know, people think that that's a, a, a wonderful way to express their status, which is just, you know, it's unimaginable. So I, I have been on a mission to to help get feathers out of costumes, and uh, I'm making a little progress. I made some progress this weekend, I'm happy to tell you, and hopefully by next year um, I'll be able to announce <laughs> that these that these particular companies might have stopped using feathers. That's oh, that's goal. wonderful. Yes. I think it's so yes. interesting how much easier it, it is becoming these days because of technological advance, advancements in fabric. I, I was seeing oh. a... Um, just in, in regular ready-to-wear fashion, uh, a vest. And I saw it and I thought, ooh, that has feathers. But then as I read more carefully, it, it was just a sort of polyester thing <laughs> that they had done, yeah. uh, you know, to, to make it look feathery. So, yeah, um, it's really so easy. The, and there's so many innovations every day. It, there is really no excuse, you know. So, um, yeah, there's tons of things that you can use. So you are kind of a dance industry activist for animals and and people too. So what are some of the things that you have done to um, bring awareness? Well, first of all, Victoria, all of my performances uh, include choreography that has themes that are, whether they're about circus uh, cruelty or battery cages or mother cows and their babies or swans or, you know, I always incorporate uh, messages about animal rights in my performances. So the performers and the audience members are exposed to these messages. Um, One time in a performance, I put a a DVD under every seat in the theater of uh, Farm to Fridge. So (laughs) we just just hammer that message in as much as possible. And, um, you know, I, there's so many areas that you can put your activism to use. I, you know, I don't allow um, anything but plant-based foods inside the studio. So if at first people think, what does that even mean? Like they come to the door with a bag from McDonald's because within two blocks of my studio there are five fast food restaurants. They, and I say, oh, no, you can't bring that in here. And then, but they can bring an apple and they can, you know, they can bring cashews, you know. And, and it makes them think. It's, it, it, these are sometimes the first time people have actually thought about it. So, you know, I can foster healthy habits in their children. I can talk about the benefits of eating plant-based foods. And, you know, that's just because I have a business and I make the rules. <laughs> so, you know, while you're, while you're making the rules of your place, you know, you can, I don't, I have a no fur sign on the door of the studio. And, you know, at, at first, you know, people just question it, but, you know, this is a dance school. This is what they come here for the dance training. And then they start to learn all these other things. I have posters around the studio walls about, you know, that say we are not nuggets. I put them down low <laughs> where children can see them. And, you know, um, some of the teenagers have taken pictures of some of my posters and posted it on their Instagram. So, you know, the message just wherever I am, the message has to be there. And and it's an anti-bullying message, too. If You know, when, when you studios have to be very careful about those things. And, you know, we want to foster healthy habits in, in not competitive nastiness between students. We want to talk about the cruelty-free life, even the way that they relate to each other and the way they're treated in school. So the message is broad. And, you know, uh, I get a lot of people to, you know, to really agree with it and to broaden their circle 
of compassion, and even in little small steps, but it's definitely happening. So, you know, I've been at it for a lot of years, and and this last few years, I've been feeling like, you know, we're get, we're gaining momentum, and like my friend Jane Velez Mitchell says, we're we're getting to that tipping point, and I think we're getting there. I really do. I think we are too, and it's very exciting to see how people in a business that at first glance would not seem to have anything to do with animals or with veganism, and yes, it does, and yes, you have. <laughs> so, you know, with I think a lot of people had the same guilty pleasure that I did for the past few years when you just get so tired, you just want your brain to go away, and we would watch Dance Moms. And the dance teacher on that show was so mean. I kept wondering when the authorities were going to burst through the door and take her away for abusing children, and it got to the point where I just couldn't watch anymore. And I'm wondering if... An image like that is keeping children from being able to enjoy dance as part of their childhood. I mean, I've actually talked to mothers who say, oh, after watching that show, my kid's not going to take any kind of dance. And then we've got you at the exact opposite spectrum with all of this uplift. Well, I, I am. A, I'll tell you, I'm a, you know, we, we do uh, encourage, we have discipline here and we have dance technique that we're learning. But I, I have to tell you, I have never seen that show. I have heard people talk about it. I have no interest, I have no interest in seeing it. And, and um, you know, people ask me and I say, no, you know, when that show is on, I'm dancing. So come to the studio with me and you can be dancing too instead of watching TV. So I, I believe it's on in the evening. I don't, I, I, I've never seen it. So yeah. I, I think um, it's not on anymore. I believe she right. went into some legal trouble. <laughs> okay. But it, it's well, just... Place for meanness. Um, discipline and, you know, and learning technique, uh, it, those are not the you know, and meanness, those are not the same thing. You know, um, but we do have, a, you know, we have a dress code and we have rules. It's, it's learning dance technique. It's very uh, structured. So, but I don't think there's anything about that that has to be mean. Oh, I'm just it's, knowing it's, you. I, hard. I don't really know what that lady does. I'm assuming it's that she's not nice <laughs> from what I yeah, hear. Not, not <laughs> nice. And I see, you know, in, in just knowing you, and I don't know you well, but I see both of those things in you. I see how in your own life, you obviously live a very disciplined life because of the great radiant health that, that you um, exude. And also your incredible kindness and love and compassion which is a beautiful dance in and of itself. So, everybody, the website is CynthiaKingDance.com. So if you're in the New York City area, if you're in Brooklyn, you can check that out for dance classes and wherever you are around the world. If you or your child takes ballet and you need some cruelty-free ballet slippers, well, guess what? Now we know where to get them. Famous uh, last word, Cynthia? Are you there? Cynthia? Oh, she's not there. I think my my exit seemed like more of an exit than it truly was. Okay. Thank you so much, Cynthia King, and thanks, everybody, for listening to Segment 1. Guess what? We've got lots, lots more coming up. Stay with us.
like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. At Metaphysical Rock 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Well, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Golly, something went down the wrong pipe. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the Main Street Vegan Program. We have, for the very last time today, uh, a word from the good people at HealthIQ.com who have been sponsoring us for the past several weeks. And the message is just as fresh and wonderful as it ever was. And that is that HealthIQ.com has teamed with many of the country's top life insurance company to offer savings to some very special people, certain athletes, and guess who else? Well, you know, if you've been listening the past several weeks, there are savings on life insurance for vegans because somebody has noticed that we tend toward good health and they're willing to reward us for that. Now, this is life insurance. 
the kind that protects your family if you're not here anymore, and that is some serious peace of mind. So do check out uh, the discounts for vegans at healthiq.com slash Main Street, and I will put that on the Main Street Vegan show notes too. And thank you, Health IQ, for your support and for noticing how well we're doing. And thanks also to uh, Veg News Magazine for noticing the Main Street Vegan Podcast. We are nominated for a 2017 Veggie Award, and we're almost getting to the end of the time for voting. So if you haven't voted yet for your favorite podcast and your favorite just about everything in the great big world of vegan living, eating, dressing, shopping, entertainment, and all the rest. There is time to do that through uh, tomorrow, through Thursday, August 31. Just go to vegnews.com slash veggie awards and just by voting, you will be entered to win some very cool prizes, including a vegan Caribbean cruise, and a whole year's worth of vegan ice cream. Gosh, which of those would be better? Maybe you could vote and your spouse could vote and you'd end up with both. What do you think? I also want to direct your attention to the blog at MainStreetVegan.net. This week, that is written by Angela Heverling, a Main Street Vegan Academy certified vegan lifestyle coach and educator. And it's called Vegan Food and Wine Pairings for Your End of Summer Festivities. So lest you think that all vegans are teetotalers, I'm a teetotaler, but not Everybody is. <laughs> I think not most of us are. Um, we really can do some beautiful things with wine. And Angela shows us how on her blog at MainStreetVegan.net slash blog right now. So thanks for taking a look at that. And thanks, Angela, for that contribution. Now we have a little bit of a switch And it's so interesting that it is on our back-to-school day, on our day when we're talking about kids and parents and things that go on raising children. Our guest was scheduled to have been Janet Carney from Vegan Pregnancy and Parenting, but her little boy fell and, bless his heart, broke his nose. So... She's being a mom right now instead of being a podcast guest, which is absolutely uh, perfect for what she is supposed to be doing in the circumstance. And she has come through with a wonderful other guest for us, and that is Tiana McCormick, co-founder of Vegan Pregnancy and Parenting. Now, Vegan Pregnancy and Parenting is the biggest Facebook group for young families, and there's also a website, veganpregnancyandparenting.com. So welcome, and thank you so much for being flexible and having the time to do this, Tiana McCormick. Well, thank you very much. I really am excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you. So you are the mother of an eight-year-old son and a five-year-old daughter, and you Mm -hmm. were telling me during the break that this didn't start way back in your teenage years or something. You discovered this after your kids had already started eating. Tell us about the transition. 
Um, so I had always wanted to at least become vegetarian, and the more I read into it, I knew that vegan was really the way that we had to go. And it was um, with my kids, they had already been eating animal products and dairy and things like that, so I, I knew it was going to be hard. Um, but so we, you know, we sat down and talked about how much we love animals and how you know, we wanted to do the right thing by them. And they really just jumped on board and were really happy to do so. So what were some of the transitional blips? Mm-hmm. I think um, I think the hardest part um, for my kids was cheese. Um, you know, they love their pizza. They love their lasagna, lasagna and things like that. So they want their cheese on there. So, um, you know, we, we did struggle with that. And, um, you know, we just had to talk about where cheese comes from and, you know, why we've made the decisions that we made. It's funny that it doesn't matter the age. <laughs> cheese addiction is a thing. It really so, is. So from what you see, Tiana, in your own experience and also with these almost 30,000 um, members of, of the Facebook group, what are some of the biggest challenges to raising vegan kids in 2017? Um, I think the biggest challenges come from outside influences. Um, you have any anywhere from your family members who help to take care of your kids to um, caregivers in the medical community who don't think it's a good idea to be vegan. And then when you have your school-age kids or your kids that go to daycare, you have teachers who might not be supportive of your dietary um, needs for your children. So those are some pretty big challenges that parents face. Those are big. So let's just yeah. start with we're doing back to school, so the kid goes to school. Maybe last year the teacher was cool with the vegan thing, and this teacher just disapproves. What can yeah. a parent do? I think the best thing you can do is try to sit down and have a really, uh, you know, a, an adult conversation with the teacher. Explain, um, explain your desires, and you know, despite them not supporting you, they still have to have your best, your children's best interests at heart. Um, and really, if 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 you if you are in a situation where a teacher is really being um, just not supportive at all, then maybe a discussion with administration would be necessary at that point. But in my in my experience, I have found that most teachers are at least willing to work with you, even if they don't support you. That is excellent. And how about extended family? I mean, you took me back with just that mention of, of other family members caring for the children and things like that. When my daughter was, oh golly, three, I, I guess, my mom came to visit, and in the middle of dinner, my daughter bursts into tears. We finally get her calmed down. You know, what is it? What is it? And through the sobs, she says, I'm sad because grandma eats animals. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? And, you know, I think it's you have to teach your kids that we love our family members anyway, even if they don't make the decisions that we feel are the right things. Um, and especially with little little girls and little boys like that, it's it's tough for them because you're teaching them that it's wrong to eat animals, and then here's grandma eating animals. Um, but we just have to teach them about compassion and that we love them anyway. Yes, and that's such a good lesson I think for anybody at any age that mm-hmm. that any one of us is doing any number of things that somebody else considers wrong, and. Mm-hmm. And yet we want them to 
love us anyway. So yes, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a big one. So <laughs> one of the things that that I remember Tiana from my own childhood, I was not anything close to vegetarian. But I was Catholic back in the days when Catholics did not eat land animals on Friday. And I can remember extreme embarrassment. It really wasn't the lack of meat because I really liked fish sticks and grilled cheese sandwiches. It Mm. was that I was different. How, How do kids deal with that? I think uh, the best thing you can do is empower your kids as much as possible to know that they're doing the right thing. I mean, I tell my kids all the time and my son that weird people are the best people. And, <laughs> you know, like I, I want him to believe that, you know, you don't have to fit in with the crowd in order to be amazing. And if I think if you have regular conversations with your kids about it and tell them that, you know, sometimes kids can be mean and you just have to know that you're doing the right thing. I love weird people are the best people. <laughs> that That is the tweet of the day. <laughs> yeah, that, that's really cool. Thank you for that. So I know that it's important to you that particularly when kids, kids get to be the age that your son is now, around eight years old, that they are spokespersons. Uh, for the vegan cause and the vegan lifestyle with their own peers. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, like, cause, because kids want to be like other kids. So if if they're out there talking about it, you know, you might have, um, you know, my son talking to his friend Johnny, and Johnny goes home to his mom and maybe talks about it. And if if Johnny's mom thinks, hey, you know what, maybe if he's open to it, it might be a little bit easier for me. So, yeah, they are definitely spokespersons because kids definitely want to do what their peers are doing. Yes. Have your kids said some cute things in this connection? <laughs> I hope so. I mean, they. my son is all about being vegan, and he, you know, he wants to tell the whole world about it. So I'm, I'm hoping he spreads it. You know, my five-year-old, not so much. But we're all different personalities. And, and, you know, I think we all carry the message differently, too. You know, my my first guest was Cynthia King, who's such a beautiful dancer. I mean, all she has to do is walk in a room. And and I think half the women are saying, okay, whatever she does, I want it. <laughs> and other <laughs> yes. people are, you know, they're, they're good at talking about it. So, um, <laughs> of any age, there's a place for all of us. So, tell us a little bit about um, this Facebook group and how it started. So the Facebook group actually started with um, uh, a woman who really wanted to spread the message. Um, but then, you know, some things happened in her life, and she really just didn't have the time. And Janet then uh, came in and was like, I'm going to just tell everybody about it, and I'm going to provide this amazing group to support moms and dads and family members. And it just, Janet is just such a powerhouse. Like she grew the group from about a couple thousand people all the way up to it's 30,000 people. And she got myself and one of our other co-founders, Miranda Graham on board. And, you know, we just do everything that we can to spread the message and support families and try to give them the support that they need, especially with pregnancies as well. Well, let's talk a little bit about vegan pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I was working on being vegan (laughs) back Mm -hmm. in the day, but, you know, the doctors just scared me so much. So I was lacto-ovo during pregnancy. That is one of my great life regrets. Mm -hmm. So how do you support um, pregnant moms and soon-to-be pregnant moms um, in, in their veganism? 
Um, so we do have a, uh, a physician on board, Dr. Miranda Graham, and we try to get her involved whenever a person posts about how their OB or their midwife or whomever has advised them not to be vegan during pregnancy. And we try to get her, to her involved to explain nutrition to them and explain the needs that they have during pregnancy so that they can understand that they don't need dairy. They don't need animal products in order to be healthy and have a healthy pregnancy. Um, and, you know, we just try to get them to see that and then try to help them find other OBs in their area that might support them better and also give them the tools to have the conversation, an appropriate, respectful conversation with their caregivers. Yes. When uh, we do Main Street Vegan Academy and, and train our vegan lifestyle coaches, our um, dietitian gives a really intense class on on pregnancy and and veganism through the life cycle you know kids and teens and athletes and elders and all the rest but so many things really have surprised me and yet when i think about them they make so much sense like for example you're not really eating for two (laughs) in the first trimester or so (laughs) and and you know to get the additional amount of, of protein that you need, it, it, it's so little, you know, it, it, it's like one extra cup of beans or, you yeah. know, one extra power bar if you're out on the road. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I don't really know where it comes from, but there is this um, societal belief that we need this massive amount of protein in order to be healthy. And it's, you know, we're definitely up against a hurdle in trying to get people to understand that you really don't need that. Um, So we do try our best to support people as as much as we can to get them to understand that. Yes. Well, it's very interesting, too. And and I kind of saw this even when I was pregnant and you know there was so little support we're talking like 35 years ago for for veganism but i remember as i was reading about breastfeeding and reading about the composition of milk from different mammals that human breast milk was lowest in protein highest in sugar of any mammal's milk and so i'm thinking why am i supposed to have this gargantuan amount of protein now and as soon as this baby is born have her on a diet that's so low in protein it didn't make sense but now it makes sense because i didn't need all that protein (laughs) exactly you never you never needed it (laughs) so let's talk a little bit about breastfeeding i know a, a lot of women wonder if they'll be able to do it, if they'll have enough milk, if it'll be good enough to make a human being grow. What do you hear on the site uh, about nursing moms? Yeah, and it's the same thing. And I think it's it's perfectly normal for people to be afraid, nursing moms to be afraid that they're not going to be able to do it. I mean, one of the most common questions is, what, what formula should I go by as a backup just in case I can't do it? Um, and, you know, I, I think, I think that's completely normal to be afraid that they're not going to be able to. Um, and, you know, we just, we try to provide the support for anybody who wants to nurse and, and tell them that, yes, you can do it. Um, you know, barring any medical things or any desires, um, most women can. Yeah, I had some difficulty personally in La Leche mm-hmm. League, who's still out there, and they're very supportive of, of veganism. Right. I, I wish they were vegan, but, you know, it's just like we talked about with family. They can be really supportive <laughs> and mm-hmm. still not quite get it, but um, 
Oh, I mean, those moms are so helpful and so experienced and, and really made that possible for me. But but let me repeat the question that you get a lot uh, on the group. What mm-hmm. if um, parents, you know, whether they, they can't nurse or it's an adoptive situation or whatever it is, what is a backup formula for vegans that's not Full of mm-hmm. awful things. Yeah, and I think a lot of a lot of times we we will recommend donor milk. Although some people, you know, I I think financial situations. I'm not really sure how much donor milk actually costs. So we do recommend that. Um, however, in in the United States, there is no vegan formula. There is um, soy formula, but the vitamin D3 is derived from from wool. Um, so, but there is a formula in France that is a rice formula that is completely vegan. Um, if people do have the financial ability to have that shipped to them, we always recommend it. Um, but there is nothing wrong with using soy formula. Do you know the name of that French formula? Um, yeah, it's called Premeries. I think that's how you would say it. I'm not entirely sure. But okay. I mm-hmm. Well, that is very interesting. Filling. Yeah. I and mean... So- the only vegan dog food my dog really likes comes from Italy. <laughs> and there are U.S. distributors, so it's no more expensive than regular American dog food. But yeah. certainly uh, <laughs> it, and it, it would be great if we could get some American distributors or even other just other countries, other places in Europe and Asia, if we could get some distributors for this formula. Yeah. And, you know, things like the the D3 from, from the lanolin, I just love a quotation from Bruce Friedrich where he says, this is not about personal purity. It's about doing the most good and the least harm that we possibly can. And I think of all the people who are worrying about doing things perfectly, parents have got it worse than anybody. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We just, we want to do everything Perfectly. I mean, my daughter is completely grown up, married, lives her own life, and I still want to be perfect every time I talk to her on the phone. Absolutely. It's just, <laughs> it's just what happens when you're a mom. So um, how is veganism changing in, in respect to children from, from your point of view? Um, I think there's just so much more support and there's so much, um, I think there's so many more foods available, you know, Many, many years ago, there was really nothing. And as much as I wouldn't normally recommend processed, highly processed foods, sometimes when, you know, you're really trying to transition your kids over, um, use, utilizing those those foods might be really, really helpful. And I think it's just, it's great to have that out there for families who are really trying to do the right thing and, you know, as little harm as possible. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's the double-edged sword with with the processed foods. It's like, okay, we don't want to have a whole diet of all processed foods. But on the other hand, when there were no processed foods, there were almost no vegans. So (laughs) the growth has been uh, very steady. You get more good-tasting burgers. You get some good-tasting cheese. You get more and more vegans. We had one of the super burgers the other night. We had the Beyond Meat Burger. Yes. And and I mean, my husband and my dog thought it was the best thing ever. <laughs> you know? I, I got to say that I, I really from, love that burger. <laughs> do you? It was a little hard for me, I think, because I've just been away from beef for a really long time. 
Mm -hmm. And and yet it was so cool to see both of them. And it was almost like this daddy dog bonding of, yeah, Yeah. we're having our burger and it's good. (laughs) And I think a really good thing about some of this stuff, too, is that like vegans can serve this food to their non-vegan family and their family members may not even realize it, that they're eating vegan food. Yeah. I've always wondered about that. I wonder what they think it is. If they know that the vegans don't eat meat, what is it? Maybe they just don't go that far. You know, if it tastes good and and you've got lettuce, tomato, pickle, and special sauce. uh, Don't ask, right? That's it. That's it. So um, let's get into nutrition for growing kids. And I understand that that you're a mom and and Mm -hmm. you're not here as, as a physician or a dietitian. But, you know, moms are nutritionists. I mean, I, sure. I think they're the the most active practicing nutritionists daily on the planet. So what have you seen with your kids and growth and health? And what are some of the foods that uh, you think are the best for growing children? I mean, I think if you can get your kids to eat as much vegetables as you possibly can and fruits, um, you're doing really great. Uh, you know, like it's, it's hard to get kids to eat those things. So, um, tr- I, you know, try to make it fun and get them to eat them. Uh, I work, I, I'll do rice cauliflower and we make tacos out of it. So we use the cauliflower as taco meat. Um, so whatever you can do, you know, to get those vegetables and those fruits in, in your kids. And I think at, at some point they're going to have a palate for it and they'll actually really enjoy them and want them. You mentioned a term that I had not heard until a couple of weeks ago, and that's rice cauliflower. So (laughs) tell us what that is and how to make it. Sure. I mean, if you just take a head of cauliflower and put it in a food processor and blitz it up a little bit, and, uh, you know, depending on how blitzed up you want it, how small you want it, longer or shorter, and then you can really use it for a lot of different things. You can sprinkle it on salad, or and it cooks really, really fast. So um, it's it's actually really helpful for you know parents who are working and need to make a really quick dinner. Um, it cooks really fast, so we use it a lot for tacos. And you could use it to replace rice. You can absolutely. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. We learn so much from our children. <laughs> So greens, will your kids eat anything green? Yeah, I'm, actually, my kids actually love broccoli. Um, we'll make, yeah, they do. <laughs> but that's pretty, no, you know what? They like green beans, too. <laughs> that's a good thing. Well, yeah. My daughter really introduced me to greens because when she was seven, we went to L.A. and went to an Ethiopian restaurant for the first mm-hmm. time. We didn't have a restaurant at that time um, that was Ethiopian in Kansas City where we lived. And they do this thing with greens called gomen with Mm -hmm. these amazing spices. And my daughter just demanded that I learn to make Ethiopian food (laughs) when we got back home. And and that was how I I learned to to love dark leafy greens. So um, sometimes it starts with the parents. Sometimes it starts with the kids. And do you know we so, with the we got them eating spinach um, by just talking about how that they would be like Popeye. So and now they, uh, they love spinach because Popeye loves spinach. So oh, that's great. Now, see, being out of the kid world, I didn't realize Popeye was still around. How wonderful to be a cartoon character! You never age. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. So what? 
is happening now on the website. That's much newer than the, the Vegan Pregnancy and Parenting Facebook page has been around a while and veganpregnancyandparenting.com is new. That's correct. Yeah, we launched on July the 30th. That's and new. Yeah, that's, it's, that, it's that new. So really like a month today. And um, the website is, is uh, blogs, articles, scientific articles. It's um, people who have uh, written for us just talking about their lives and their vegan lives and vegan pregnancies and how to raise their kids vegan. So it's, it's mainly the whole entire website really is written by vegans for vegans. Oh, that's so nice. And yeah. it is all spelled out, veganpregnancyandparenting.com. And we will put that on the um, Main Street Vegan uh, podcast show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. For, for me, when I was a young mom and a lot of the vegan young moms that I know now, it's more than just vegan. It's a whole kind of attachment parenting i see on on your website the very first picture is a mom with the baby in the pack mm-hmm. and there's a lot to it it's sort of a compassionate parenting so is that where you guys are as well yes and you know i think it's a lot of people who tend to flock towards the veganism want are just more like they want to be that compassionate parent they have that desire and they want to do the attachment parenting and as you know, be as close to their kids as they possibly can. And that's not to say that anybody who um, has a really, really busy lifestyle and can't do that shouldn't become vegan. But it's definitely something that people aspire to, and you know, they want to do that attachment parenting lifestyle. Yeah, and I think it actually, it, it, it they all kind of go together. <laughs> you know, you you you. Find out about animals, and I think one of the things that convinces so many people, especially women, especially mothers, to go vegan is the mother-child bond that we see in the animal kingdom. Mm-hmm. For I mean, sure. The, oh, the mother cow and the calf. I, it, it's just, who could be a better mom? Mm-hmm. So what do you do with your kids just to go out and have fun and still be vegan? Um, you know, a lot of the times we, we go on hikes, we go for walks. Um, where we live, it's very a lot of nature, so we, we do a lot of um, hiking and spending time outdoors and um, being in the forest and <clears throat> up on top of the mountain. Um, and, you know, really we take a lot of our food with us and just have picnics and things like that. That is so nice. I can remember just they didn't have farm sanctuaries when my daughter was little, but we did go to places where they had animals that kids could interact with. Mm-hmm. And between uh, having four cats and <laughs> visiting farm animals whenever we could, I think, it, you know, it just imprints on a person that we are not alone on this planet. So just here in closing, our time is, is coming to its end. Your, your website is fabulous, and it's full oh, of you. all kinds of resources. I mean, wonderful recipes, hints for dining out. I mean, dining out with kids, that's kind of an art form before <laughs> you even get veganism into it. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's very obvious that a lot of, of work has gone into this and a lot of love. So just here in our last couple of minutes, what else do you want us to know? 
Um, I would love for people to come join our group. Uh, let us know what your concerns are in the vegan community so that we can try and help. We can try and find people to write about them. Um, we want to get into some activism with like companies like the Vegan Formula to try to get them made here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we really just want, we want to hear more from our community about what it is their concerns are, what are their hurdles, and what we can do to try and help that. Oh, that's wonderful. And I see that you also support Autumn Farm Sanctuary in Wisconsin. That's a yeah. new one to me. Is this one of your members? They are, and um, we did partner with them to promote them, and they are promoting us. And we, you know, we want people to, if if you live near there or if you're visiting that area, go go visit them. They do a lot of fantastic work with rescuing animals. And these are just beautiful photographs. Mm-hmm. So when you go to the vegan and uh, pregnancy and parenting dot com, be sure and click on Autumn Farm Sanctuary and see these portraits. Oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> geese and turkeys, and is this a little miniature pony scooter? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, okay. It's uh, animal picture time. Everybody's favorite point of the day. Well, Tiana, thank you so, so much. Thank you for stepping in. Thank you for being a vegan mom and a a vegan family. Thank you for uh, being part of vegan pregnancy and parenting. And we're just going to wish the very best to Janet Carney and her little boy with his major boo-boo today and also certainly um, on this this day that we're living right now. I know a lot of people will be listening to this podcast in the far-off future, but as I am speaking right now, our uh, good thoughts and prayers are, are going to Texas where Houston and, and so much of, of the Gulf area is dealing with uh, the aftermaths of that dreadful hurricane. And we're hearing from vegans being helpful. Kat Mendenhall, she's been on the show with her cowboy boots. She's in Dallas working with a local restaurant providing plant-based meals to some of the hurricane refugees. So wherever we can and however we can, let's all just make it better for everybody else. Next week's episode of the Main Street Vegan Program is going to start with one of your favorite doctors, and that is Robert Ostfeld. Yes, he's really good looking. I know he is. He is uh, <laughs> talking about a, uh, an event that's going to be happening in the Bronx, New York at Montefiore Medical Center. Very exciting that hospitals are looking at plant-based eating as something real important and powerful. He will tell us about that. And he'll be followed by a repeat visit from your very favorite pro wrestler, Austin Aries. Yes, indeed. He is going to be on talking about his memoir and his veganism. So you won't want to miss that. Thanks very much to both of our guests, Tiana McCormick, Vegan Pregnancy and Parenting, Cynthia King, CynthiaKingDance.com. All the info on our show notes. Thank you, Unity Online Radio and engineer Jeff Comfort for being part of the program today, for being how and why this podcast actually exists in the world. God bless you bunches, and God bless you, my wonderful listeners. And remember, eat your veggies. 
Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. At Metaphysical Romp 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. When was the last time you did something for the first time? Even if it's something you've done before, you can still choose to see it as if it were the first time. Why not look at your life with the eyes of a child? Children radiate joy and enthusiasm because everything they see and do is new to them. They are filled with awe. We can live in a world of wonder, too. The thoughts we think and hold in our mind do affect our lives. Remember, choose to think on things that are lovely and beautiful, and you will see your own world blossom and transform. Today, awake to the radiant beauty of every experience, as if for the first time, and see the positive changes in your world. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again. Don't take your dreams lying down.